women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. My name is Esme Lawrence, and welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. Today, my guest is called the Possibility Creator. She has invested the last 27 years as a licensed therapist, coach, author, and speaker who guides her clients in dissolving their buts, beliefs, limits, and fears by recognizing how their past negative conditioning creates their present and future stops them from stepping into their infinite possibility. My guest today is Suzanne Desenzi. Suzanne, welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Esme. I am so honored to be here today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So now I want you to tell us your story. Tell, go back to when you were a child. What, any, um, any difficulties in your life back then? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't want to start with anything crazy heavy. First of all, we moved a ton when I was a kid because my father was a chief maintenance engineer for like, um, you know, apartment high rises and complexes. And back in the 60s, we lived where he worked. So if he lost his job, we lost our place to live. And so it really taught me how to uh, search within myself for that kind of internal strength to be able to keep moving and meet new people and be outgoing and be out there, even though there was a lot of fear. Right. And what, was, what were some of the fears back then? Oh, gosh, just, you know, I think the typical childhood stuff that we feel that are we going to be accepted in this new place by these right. new people in this new school? Will I make friends? Will they like me? Will I, will I make these lifelong friendships? And what I found was every time we started to kind of stay in one place for any length of time, we moved again. Right. So it was really this kind of repetitive cycle of learning how to open myself up and be close and then find that we moved away and I had to start all over. And it was really something that built a lot of strength, which was helpful because throughout that period from age five until I was in my mid to late twenties, I was unfortunately a sexual assault survivor over six, six instances. Wow. And I think because of that strength as a child of moving and having really positive parents who were open to kind of really helping us figure out who we were and they weren't like you must be this way that right. really helped me go from being a survivor to a thriver and not falling into that victimhood do you know what right. i mean right right so was it like um family members that did this um this um act or who um who were the the, the people who did that well one was like a distant cousin to like a second cousin of, I think my mom or a grandparent, I think it was, it was a very distant cousin and it was a funeral for another cousin. 
you know, and I'm five years old. I, I don't, I don't know any better or any different. Yeah. And then um, when I was nine, it was a friend of my older brothers. I have two older brothers. And there was, again, remember, we lived where my father worked. So everybody knew us as, you know, John's kids. Right. And so we knew a lot of people. And so they were, he was kind of a friend of my brother's. And, you know, things happen. And, and it's the way it was. And, and I've truly come through and forgiven them. Right. And then when I was 14, it was kind of a, we camped a lot. And so we had a permanent uh, trailer in, in a campground that we went to every weekend. And we would often go during the winter time too. My parents were really avid outdoors people. And he was someone who played guitar and wrote music and poetry just like I. And he was the only one out there in the winter. And he had worked for the campground for a long time. And we were all friends. And we all, right. as friends as a 14-year-old can be with an adult, right? Definitely. And then the one at 28 was, was a stranger. And that one was very violent. And, right. and that one I thought I was going to die. But, you know, I didn't. So let's go back to the one when you were 14. Sure. Now, how did, how did that affect your, your um, self-esteem? Oh, my gosh. Well, it started actually at the nine-year-old one because of some police involvement, whereby this is a crazy story. When I was nine, the detectives that came to my house told, my, told me, essentially, and my parents, that a lie detector machine was this box that you take a piece of paper on, and, and you put it into this box, and there's a yellow light and a green light on top of this box. And if you feed the story into the machine and the yellow light comes up, it's a lie. Uh. And if a green light comes up, it's a truth. And they told me they had already put his story into the machine and it had come up a truth. Therefore, I was lying. And I looked at them in my little nine-year-old defiant mm. self. And I said, well, I don't know what to tell you then, but your machine is broken because it's wrong. And so oh. that is really, so sad. That is so I, sad. Is it like these are the police who are supposed to protect you and right. help you, you know, and, um, and make sure that the guy who did this to you, um, you know, pay for it for what he did. And then they're going to tell you that um, it's a lie because of a little box. Right. Well, <laughs> and you know, the, the interesting thing is it was a twofold kind of thing that went on in my head. One was that I believed that that's what a lie detector machine was till I was 16 and I learned differently. Right. But more importantly, it was exactly what you said. These were police, like, why are they not believing me? I, I couldn't, you know, what, what can a nine-year-old do with that information, you know? Right, exactly. You know, I mean, because, I mean, that would definitely shock your mind thinking, um, you know, the police don't believe me. And what about your mom and dad? Did they believe you? Oh, 100%. I, I was so blessed and graced with being raised in a family who had two extremely loving parents. God rest their souls. They're both gone now. Really loving, very communicative, very supportive. And as a matter of fact, they felt incredible guilt themselves until both of their deaths, actually. And we had long conversations about it. And they finally came to resolution. But for a long time, they felt incredibly guilty, like they hadn't fought for me enough. Right. And I told them, this was, you know, this was 1964. No, 63. This uh, 73. I'm sorry. I was born in 64. My math is not that great today. It oh, was that's 19, okay. <laughs> it was 1973. It was a different time back then. Right. 
And you know what? I mean, like every parent want to protect their children. Sure. But sometimes bad things happen to good people. And no matter who you are as a parent, you can't prevent it. And once it's done, it's done. That's right. That's right. Right. And, you know, I think that was the thing that kept me from becoming kind of the stereotype that a lot of people would think with someone who may have gone through something like that multiple times. I never, I never learned to distrust people. I really didn't. I never learned to shut that part of me down and to kind of run away and become that stereotyped assault victim. I knew of that tremendous love that we are at the core And I held on to that thread. And that was the very thing that one saved my life when I was 28 and then really kept me out of the victimhood and didn't allow me to kind of stay stuck in that story. Do you know what I mean? Right. So then as an adult now, that so that story of being, um, you know, feeling um, that um, you are maybe less than, you know, Mm -hmm. as an adult and before you made your transformation where you step into your power and, uh, and decide that, you know what, the story um, you know, it happened to you, but it's not going to determine your future. So, right. tell me, so go back and tell me that transformation from, you know, an adult when, and, then, and then how you trans, transform into your powerful, the powerful woman that we see today. Oh, thank you. Yes. Great question. I was 28. The last assault had happened and it was very violent. And I really did believe I was going to die. And I had a son who was almost two years old when at the time of the incident. And my ex-husband, God rest his soul, said something to me a couple weeks after the assault that really cut me to the core. And I sat down and I wrote my son a suicide note. And I was ready to place it in the envelope when I heard this voice that said, reread the letter. And as I was rereading it, I recalled a childhood vision of me at four years old, standing in front of a mirror with that unbridled belief that anything was possible. And I knew that I was meant for so much more. So I put the letter away and I committed to believing it. I didn't believe it then. My gosh, you know, I was, I was ready to end my life. Yeah. But I made the choice to commit to believing it. And my whole life changed at that point. Now, I'm not going to say it was easy or it was an overnight thing. It took several more years, right. several years. And my own therapist and coaches and friends and family who were supportive and loving to really help me begin to work through those self-doubts, those self-fears, all the, the limiting beliefs I had, the feelings of not being good enough or worthy. Right. And the truth is, as me, at 55, there are still moments, there are still moments now where those little pieces creep in. Yes. And the difference for me today, maybe because I do what I do for a living as a therapist and coach, and this has been my life's work to help other people learn how to really step into their power and their infinite possibility. But I think it's really been about the fact that I have learned that I can't push it away. I've learned to walk with it instead of trying to get rid of it. And I've changed the stories but I haven't closed those chapters. You know how we always talk about like, you have to rewrite your chapter, rewrite your story. Have you heard that? Yes. (laughs) And and I think that's true, but I think we put so much emphasis on 
like trying to get rid of it and put it back on the shelf where it doesn't belong. And I learned to become friends with those sometimes negative thoughts, friends with those sometimes negative feelings and those parts of me that still get scared or still become doubtful. And now I find an enormous amount of strength in that. So I think right. the transformation isn't this one particular place other than that decision when I was 28 to not end my life. Right. No, it's life is a journey and transformation. I mean, if you go on your journey, you said it, it took years and you're still dealing with it sometimes, sure. you know? So then what are some of the tools that you used um, to, um, to, to feel powerful, to feel that you can step into your power? I ask myself questions all the time. And, and when I was moving away from traditional therapy in the sense of having the offices and people coming in to see me day after day, I recognized that I really kind of went through my own set of processes. There were a series of questions that I would ask of myself and that I found my, myself asking of all my clients through the years, regardless of why they came to see me. And so one of them is, and, and we'd I'd come to this myself and so would my clients, but one of the things was, is this true? So when I had a thought like, um, you're not good enough, or all of a sudden I'll notice there's this fear. Well, I, don't, I don't know if I should do that because, you know, who am I to put this out there that way? Or can I handle this? Am I, whatever, intelligent enough or strong enough or whatever that might be? I would stop for a second and go, is this really true? And is this my truth? Or is this a truth I learned from somebody else that I adopted as my own truth? And it's really not how I see it. Suzanne, those are great nuggets. Is this true? Okay, so yeah. you have to look and see, um, you know, is this reality? You know, you're not, um, you're not a victim anymore. Right. Okay, so you choose to rise above it. So is it, when the doubt shows up, is this true? Those are yeah. great nuggets. nuggets. And, and uh, for the listeners, what, uh, like if you, when you go to fears, you ask yourself, is this true? What's going on now? Right. Yeah. So, so bring yourself back into the now and not living in the past. But I like what you said there, Susan, about, um, you know, walking with, with your story. Yeah, because a lot of people are afraid, they're, they're ashamed of their story. Sure. And, not, and not knowing that your story will empower others. And that's why I applaud you for coming on and telling your story because it, it's going to make a difference in somebody's life. Thank you. And absolutely, you know, because we aren't, and, and that was, I think, another big lesson for me really as me was that I wasn't my story. Yes. So even though a part of my mind, and of course my heart knew, but a part of my mind knew that I wasn't my story, the other part of my mind kind of thought I was. And so when I questioned within my heart and went, wait a minute, how can I have this awareness at four that we are much more expansive and bigger than what we appear to be? How can I have this awareness at four that anything is possible right. and be caught up in these stories then and believe that's all there is? So that's another question I would ask myself is, in that integration of what I call our humanness and our kind of expansiveness that some might call spirit or soul or consciousness, whatever they choose to call it, when I would look at those pieces, I would say it's not an either or. So now I don't have to be ashamed 
of my past or my choices even that I may have found were what I'd call maybe a poor choice or a choice that didn't move me forward that I wanted to judge and blame and be ashamed of. Now I could look at it and say, look, I did the best I could with what I had. That's all I had at the time. Now I've learned a little different. And so now I can walk with it and not feel ashamed or embarrassed or sad about it. Right. Yeah. So now, now that you would share your story with others, how are you changing the lives of, uh, of those, um, your clients or the people that you share your story, your story with? Oh, this is where I get just so, oh, this is so, I'm so passionate oh, and excited. I can, I can, I can feel the can passion feel and that? see the passion. Oh. <laughs> yes. You know, because it's about helping people really understand that they are more than they know that they're yes. not their stories, they're not their past, they're not the things they think or believe about themselves, that all of that are limiting beliefs and conditioned responses from their past experiences. And, and honestly, it's not lay on the couch and tell me your whole life history and we'll blame <laughs> everything on mom and dad. That so doesn't work. But it is about learning that we are a sum of all of our experiences. So now what I really love to do with my clients friends, family, whomever, the person that I sit next to on an airplane, is provide a safe environment and hold a beautiful space with compassion and empathy that allows them the freedom to feel safe to dive into some of those things that they would consider painful or difficult or challenging or shameful or embarrassing and really dismantle what I call the illusionary lie, the illusionary nature of it so that they can see their own truth, step into their own power, really onto their own path of infinite possibilities and become that true visionary that they've always been and right. forgotten they were. Right. So what's the first step um, you would do with a, a client that comes to you? Well, this is where one of my kind of uber superpowers and gifts really kind of comes into play is that I have an uncanny ability to really hone in on the root of an issue without all the story. So when somebody first comes to see me, whether they were a therapy client or a coaching client, we really start to hone in on that root issue that is really kind of holding them back or causing some of that self-talk or that those blocks or what I call the hidden traumas, right? Not the big T trauma like a sexual assault or a car accident or a natural disaster, but the little T traumas you know, like when the teacher said, you did really good as me, but you could have done just a little bit better. Right. Those little pieces are like when I was 12 and my cat was put down and I wasn't allowed to go in and say goodbye. That was very traumatic for me. Oh, well, for sure. Definitely. So it's those little T traumas that really kind of create the blocks that hold a lot of people back. And once they really understand how we take the world in, so it's kind of, I'm not even sure I answered a question. I apologize, but I think it's oh, really it's okay. about laying a foundation for them to understand how we take the world in. And when they get that, everything starts to change right. because now their whole perspective and their view becomes different. So it's about mindset. Um, so if they change their, how they look at the world, um, so is that a, a part, of, part of the piece to, for them to step into their power? Absolutely. Because if we, then we yes. won't ever be able to truly step into our power, you know? Oh, definitely. It's a, for me, it's a, it's a mindset because I mean, there are times that I, you know, I, I had fear and, and doubt 
you know, and so I keep saying to myself, Esme, you're more than this. You're better than this. Believe in yourself, you know, yeah. and, and then so, and once, and of course, for, for me, for, you know, for me to believe in myself, I had to write on my, on my mirror. I had to say, you know, Esme, you're beautiful. Esme, you're smart. Esme, yeah. you're a podcaster. You're a speaker. <laughs> Whatever it is, I want to empower myself. I would write it on my mirror. So every morning I wake up, I would see it. I love and that. I, and, and after a while, it just, it became part of me. And so yeah. now I don't need it on the mirror. <laughs> it's in yeah. me, you know, even though, as you said earlier, um, sometimes I do lose my way. <laughs> and sure. so I have to- We're human, right? Right. Yeah. So when, yeah. so, uh, so when, um, what do you tell the, your clients when they lose their way? You know, when they're on top of the mountain, and then all of a sudden they're in the valley. And, uh, and it's like, oh my gosh, here, here I go again. What do, you, what do you say to them? It just means that there's another layer of that piece that's coming up for healing. And so we face it head on and they know now that they can dive into it without a tremendous amount of fear. You know, they're caught in the story of it at the moment in the thoughts that are rattling and racing and looping through their head. And I, I always liken it to like um, a tape recorder that's stuck in the down position that right. keeps looping in, in the rewind. And they really learn that they have the power to unstick that tape recorder and hit the play button whenever they need. And here's the truth. Sometimes I think we need to sit in a little bit of that looping in order for us to kind of get tired of it and say, I'm ready for a change. Because, you know, we really don't change when we're comfortable, only when we're uncomfortable. That's right. So when they have that awareness, that's the key, the awareness that they have that power, they can better understand how to climb back up to the top of the mountain. And that nice. sometimes they do need to come down from the mountain for a little bit, just to heal another part that makes them look up at the mountain and go, wow, I really appreciate that new view. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Because if you don't have pain, if you don't have struggles, when you, you know, like if you're just, if you're born on top of the mountain, you're not going to appreciate it. But, no. you, but it's, but um, the, you know, the sweetness is in the journey, right? Oh, yeah. you know? And we get this like, oh, it's, it's amazing. But, um, you know, but when you, when you struggle through things, you're like, yeah, I did it. And every step brings you closer to feeling um, powerful and feeling that, yes, I am, I am, I've stepped into my power. Yeah, absolutely. You and know, that's, so, I love that word powerful because it's like full of power. It's that yes. internal power and strength. And right. it's funny, you know, you say journey. I, I, I doubt that you could see it, but I wear this, um, this medallion and you probably can't see it very well. It's, uh, that's okay. We'll see it on the, re on the uh, replay. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's a Japanese symbol, but on the back it says journey. Right. Because it's about that journey and everybody's always trying so hard to get to the destination. And it's like, but you're missing the views of the mountaintop. Yes, definitely. You know, like, um, just like if you're going to go on a vacation, right? I mean, the fun part of it is getting, getting packed, you know, actually, you know, booking the trip, like all the, the all the, just getting there. Right. Um, you know, it's so in between. Yeah. That's where the fun is, you know? And then when it get there, it's like, I'm here. It's almost like a letdown in a way. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I mean, I'm excited. I'm definitely, you know, I'm excited to go on the trip, you know, but, um, but one, the excitement is actually before you, before you end up getting there. Once you get there, you're excited too, right? But yeah. it's, it's sweeter planning it and, and telling your friends about you going on a, you know, a cruise or right? something, right? Yeah. That anticipation. <laughs> the anticipation. You know? that, well, that, and that's what the magic is. That you really hit on that then too, you know, thinking about it, that's really another kind of little piece on how I moved through and with things was that I anticipated and trusted the belief 
negative happened or I found myself going back into darker negative thoughts in those earlier years, I continue to hold on to the anticipation and the trust and the knowingness that I will get to that place where I won't feel this way all the time anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because you see, you see, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah. You know, success. It's a wait. It's waiting you. Wait, yeah. It's waiting for you. So, um, Suzanne, um, so go back. Um, when you're a, just uh, actually before I ask you that question. So, um, what what was your biggest fear? Like your biggest fear that you've conquered at so far? <sighs> My biggest fear. Um, well, this isn't really a fair one. I used to be really, really terrified of heights. I'm no longer afraid of heights now. I think from a, a personal level inside, it was that I was not worthy and that I wasn't valuable and that I would yeah. never have anything of value to bring to the table. And I want to say about 15, 18 years ago, I was at an event where this was held by a friend, but he was also the facilitator. And he had, you know, those karate boards Yes. that people can break. And a couple of people had broken a board before me and I thought, oh, it's scored. It's scored across. That's why it was easy to break. It wasn't scored. It was like an inch thick. I about broke my hand trying to break that board. And he asked us to write something on that board that we knew was a lie, but that we still believed. And the thing I wrote on my board was that I am not worthy and will never have anything, never be anything of value. Mm. and I couldn't break the board, and it hurt my hand. It was red, and it was stinging, and I'm like, wow, these boards are not scored, Yeah. and he came up to me, and he helped me access that place deep within that was still very, very fearful of believing that. I wanted to believe it. I wrote it on the board as a lie, but I really didn't believe it, and he helped me access and really move through, and as soon as he did that, I cannot explain the power that I felt when he got me to that place and I went to hit the board, Esme, I'm not kidding you, hand to God, I blew through that board like it was a, a warm knife on butter. Wow. That's and I amazing. Have it, I have it hanging in my office with the, the strings of wood that were all torn up to, to remind myself of where I used to feel, where I used to be. Right. Yeah. That is amazing. So, uh, so Suzanne, go back um, to, you know, um, all the all the experience and the knowledge you have now, go back to, to talk to your four-year-old self or five-year-old self who felt afraid. What words of wisdom would you say to yourself so, you can, so that she can believe in herself? You have to trust that what you know right now is the truth. Yes. You have to trust that what you feel and hear from your heart's voice and from what we call soul together, you and me, you have to know that it's the truth and that all this stuff out here is really an illusion and it's designed to help you um, kind of come to that place where you can come back to this place, but you're already here. So don't forget that. Don't right. let that go. Hold on to that fiercely. That will carry you through anything and everything. Great words of wisdom. So Suzanne, what would you like to share with our audience? Oh, well, you know, I, I am honored that you ask. I would absolutely love to share with your audience that you are more than you know, and that you are a, a being of pure love and infinite possibility. And no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what obstacle, struggle, 
you absolutely can make it through. And if you find that you're just kind of not doing that and you need a little extra help, I would love to honor your audience by offering them a free 30-minute 2020 Clarity of Vision strategy session so they can really hone in on the things that are holding them back. Because again, in that short little time, we can do a lot of work together. Awesome. So Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today in Sprinting to Success podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I am so honored to be here. I am Susan DeSenzi, therapist, coach, and the possibilities curator, and I am sprinting to success with Esme Lawrence. Yahoo! <laughs> thank you so much for listening to, uh, to Sprinting to Success podcast, and have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to EsmeLawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.